Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message and God bless. Welcome again to the house of the Lord this morning. We are going to continue our series in the book of Philippians today. Uh, If you want to open up with me in your Bibles uh, to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be starting with verse 12 today. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. You can be seated as we're going to be going through this uh, verse by verse here this morning. So I don't want to read it all and then just go back and read it again. So Uh, Again, that's uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Just a quick reminder of what we talked about last week. Paul is writing to the church at uh, uh, Philippi, and uh, he is uh, actually in prison uh, at the time of this letter. Uh, He's in prison uh, in Rome, in house arrest, uh, with a guard, 24 by 7, a Roman guard, uh, most likely the imperial guard. Uh, watching over him 24-7, right, every single day. Uh, He's writing this letter to the church to encourage them and let him know that he's praying for them. And we looked uh, last week about how he loved the Philippian church and, uh, you know, and how the church at Philippi continued to work uh, and move and serve God, even in Paul's uh, absence. And they, the church was growing in spite of persecution, in spite of, of some of the things that it was facing. Uh, the church was still uh, growing because the people were still working and they were still serving God. And, uh, and so this week, as we begin to look at uh, verse 12 uh, of chapter 1, He's going to be first talk about how Christ is being preached and his circumstances that uh, even though he's in uh, bad circumstances, God's will is still being done. So let's look now at verse 12. He says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Just stop here for a second. So uh, Paul, again, is on house arrest. He has that uh, where they say palace guard most likely refers to the uh, imperial guard that uh, was the elite guards, right, for Caesar uh, that were with him. He had at least one guard with him on house arrest 24-7. And Paul says here that in spite of this imprisonment being in house arrest, in spite of everything that's happened, he says I have discovered that it is actually uh, for the benefit that all of this has happened, right? Even in the midst of being uh, imprisoned, not knowing what the future held with Caesar and what that judgment was going to be, it appealed to Caesar and was sent there. uh, So not knowing what his ultimate fate was going to be, uh, he uh, still saw that God was being glorified in this circumstance. And how many of us in the middle of our circumstance take a moment to step back and see how God is being honored and glorified in our pain and suffering? 
Uh, I don't do that very often, to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of pain or suffering. Uh, and so uh, it is difficult when you're in the midst of circumstances that are oppressing you, that are causing you pain, that are hurting you, that uh, not just physical pain, but mental pain and anguish, uh, to step back and look at how God is being glorified in your suffering. But know this, that God has a purpose in my pain and a purpose in your pain to glorify him, to conform us to the image of Christ. And so we must not be overcome in the midst of our circumstances, no matter how dire they seem, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for us and that, that there is fruit to be harvested, right? There are seeds to be planted. There is work to be done in the midst of our circumstance, our negative circumstance. We must not give up and stop serving God just because things aren't the way that we want them to be. Just because we're suffering, we cannot stop serving God and honoring him with our lives. We cannot curl up in a ball and give up. Now, I wish I could tell you this morning that I had faced every circumstance in my life like a champion. Uh, and, uh, you know, rah, rah, sis, boom, bob, God get the glory in this suffering because I haven't. Uh, many a times I have done that. Lord, why is me? Why is this happening to me? You know, don't you see? I've been a good person, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? I'm wallowing in self-pity. But here's the thing. It takes a mature Christian who is walking close with God to recognize God's will in pain. Right? Because the pain and the suffering typically drowns out in our earthly flesh the voice and the will of God. But here Paul, despite being bound, despite being on house arrest, says... Even though all of these things have happened, I want you to know they have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul wasn't thinking about his reputation. He wasn't thinking about any of those things. All he was thinking about is the gospel being furthered. What a level of maturity, a level of sacrifice that he demonstrates for us. That in spite of all of these things that he was facing, the uncertainty of the future and the confinement of the present, he still was worried more and concerned more with the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth, the good news of the gospel. That was more important to him than anything else. That Christ be preached. And so he says in verse 13 that it became evident or has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So all of those, the, the, those who were the palace guard, the imperial guard at this time that were watching over him, realized that he wasn't your typical criminal and that who was, who was uh, imprisoned. They realized that he wasn't the fanatic Right, that he had been made out to be. Uh, they realized that he wasn't really guilty of anything and that he was only guilty of preaching the gospel. 
that he wasn't a bad person, that he wasn't evil, right? They recognized because of the life that he lived and his attitude and imprisonment that he was a child of God and that the only thing he was guilty of was preaching the gospel, right? When we are suffering, right, as Christians, when people look at us, they must see that we are Christians and that our lives are preaching the gospel. That our response to what we're experiencing preaches the gospel. Because people are watching you and I, not just in the good times, but they are watching us in the bad times. And if we are living our lives that are honoring to God, and the most important thing to us is God's will being accomplished, and that's where our focus is, this world will have to stop and take notice that we are not acting like the world in the same circumstance. They will have to stop and notice that there's something different about us, that we're not like everybody else. And they quickly realized that Paul wasn't their normal criminal because I bet every time they were around him, he was talking about Jesus. Amen. Right? Every chance he got, he was sharing Jesus no matter who that guard was. And he, they saw the people coming in and visiting Paul. And right, and, and seeing him and him teaching them and praying with them, right, and worshiping with them. They saw this and they saw that this dude believed and lived what he said he lived. And in spite of all of this he was facing, he loved God and he was different than everybody else. Right? And it wasn't just the palace guard, but it was also the people who began to see that he wasn't like everybody else. And the message that he preached was, was spreading. The gospel of Jesus Christ was spreading because of his imprisonment. He wasn't out there spreading the gospel outside of that house. He was on house arrest. He wasn't allowed to leave. So you know what happened? The people started coming to him. And when they came to him, they went back out and shared the gospel that was shared to them. That's what happened. And that's what we have to do. Where we're at, serve, preach the gospel where we're at, and allow God to handle the consequences. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So even those who knew Christ as Lord and Savior, they actually were becoming more bold because of Paul, because of the way he was handling this situation, because he wasn't showing fear, and he wasn't showing doubt, and he wasn't showing to them that he was all worried about what was going to happen. And he wasn't complaining about being on house arrest, right? He wasn't complaining about, woe is me. They became emboldened so that they too began to preach the gospel with a passion and a boldness that they had not done before. So Paul's response in this circumstance was emboldening the other Christians in Rome to preach the gospel even more, right? I mean, that is absolutely amazing that he, because of his attitude, because he was the real deal and his relationship with God and his maturity, that he was making such an impact on this, in this area, even in house arrest. That is amazing. And it is something that you and I must 
aspire to in our lives that even if you and I are in the midst of circumstances that seem overwhelming, look that God's will is being accomplished and continue to serve him and uh, live out the gospel in your life with both our actions and our words. Because you never know how your fight is encouraging or uplifting somebody else, right? You never know how what you're going through might be assisting or uplifting someone else who is going through a similar situation, right? Or may face it in the future or may simply look and say, well, I cannot believe how they are handling this. Right, and it would it will even cause them to draw closer to God. We cannot be self-centered as Christians. Everything that we do, every choice that we make, every word that we speak, is being seen by somebody. So let it be a message of Jesus Christ that we're always sharing, despite our circumstances that we are in the midst of. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. Uh, here we go. So there were some folks that weren't all happy with Paul. They were jealous of him, right? So they were preaching the gospel. He doesn't deny they were preaching the gospel. He doesn't say it was a false gospel. None of those things. They were preaching the gospel, but they were doing so with impure motives. They were doing so, they were jealous of Paul and his success. They were jealous of Paul's ministry, most likely. And so when they were preaching, they were glad the brother was in prison so that they could advance. And that's kind of scary. But that's essentially what Paul is saying here is they were preaching the gospel while rejoicing at his imprisonment. All right. Yet in spite of that, Paul holds no hard feelings towards them. He doesn't wish anything wrong to them. He isn't praying that God's judgment would be upon them. What does he say? The former preached Christ from selfish ambition and sincerely opposed, uh, supposing to add to the affliction of my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. What a interesting way to look at folks who are cheering on your destruction yet are still preaching the gospel. Now, I'm not um, saying that they were in the right. Please understand that. They were doing it with impure motives. They were doing so out of jealousy. They were doing so, you know, uh, in a way that was uh, typically uh, inappropriate, right? In, in their attitude toward, in the attitude of their hearts. But they were still preaching the message, meaning the gospel was still being spread. And so instead of Paul uh, being angry with them and, and, and cursing them, he says at least the gospel is being preached. Right? Uh, and that is the attitude that he had. And it is the attitude that you have that when I am pe people come into our lives and attack us and are rejoicing in our affliction... We just trust God that God's got it under control, right? That God's got them under control and leave it up to him. 
right? Uh, there will always be people in your lives who are supporting you, but there will also be those who secretly are happy that you're suffering. As much as it's an awful thing to say, uh, either it's because of jealousy or whatever the, the reason may be, there are people who actually relish in the suffering of others, seeing as an opportunity of advancement for them, right? And uh, that happens in the secular world, but unfortunately, it happens in the church, right? I've been uh, in the church since I was five years old. And I've seen the attitudes in great and in, in, in large denominations where you're just waiting for that pastor to get sick or retire so you could step up and be the next in line and inherit that to get the bigger church, to get the bigger numbers. And while they would never say it out loud, unfortunately, in the innermost part of their heart, they're secretly rooting for something to happen that would cause that person to have to step down or be removed. It's frightening. And, and, and before we get all judgmental and think we would never do that, just hold yourself and go back and look at your life. And have you ever, if you're honest with yourself, thought, boy, I'd sure like that promotion if so-and-so would just get out of the way. But in our selfishness and our self-centeredness, man's desire to please himself and have pleasure and get what he wants, many times we will root against each other to fail so that we could succeed. And that is frightening that it would even find its, it would find its way into the church. It existed in this day in Paul's time and exists today. Verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying here, that I believe I'm going to be delivered. Now that word deliverance, he could mean essentially many different things. Uh, he could be talking about his ultimate deliverance when he, uh, he, he passes away and he makes it to heaven, right? And he's glorified, has a glorified body. He's in the presence of Jesus. He could be talking about being delivered from punishment, you know, being uh, delivered for punishment and, and essentially uh, set free by Caesar, right? He could, he could be talking about any of those things I'll be honest with you, when you look at the context here, the rest uh, that we're going to look at today, I really think he believed that he was going to be set free from arrest, right? And ultimately be set free uh, because you're going to look here more in a minute. Now, that lets us know that Paul had a hope that he was, you know, going to be set free and he would be able to go to the Philippian church, right? We obviously know that that did not happen. But that was the desire of his heart, that he was going to be set free. But here's the thing, that even if he didn't get set free physically, Paul knew he was eventually going to be set free spiritually, right? His soul was going to be set free from this mortal coil, and he was going to be in the presence of God. Either way, he was okay with it. Whether he walked out of there a free man or he left out, right, uh, went to heaven, uh, he, he had no issue with, with whichever happened, all right? Uh, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. What he's saying there is no matter what happens in my life, I don't want there to ever be anything that I am ashamed of in my response with preaching the gospel. And my response here as I'm in house arrest in my life, I never want there to be something where I made Christ look bad. 
decision I made, a word that I spoke, an attitude that I had, that I would have to be ashamed of it. So that no matter what happened, whether it was life or death, that he would carry himself in a way that honored God. And we too must do the same. I know I'm beating a dead horse this morning, but we too must accept this challenge that in spite of our circumstances, we must honor God so that we don't have something that we bring, you know, that, uh, that to be ashamed of. Amen. Honor him Amen. with our words and our actions that despite whether we are healed or not healed or whether we're healed in this life or the next, right? Whether uh, we get that promotion or we don't, whether we've lost our job and it takes a long time to find a job or we get one instantly. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, let us honor God with our words and our actions despite what we see with our eyes and what we're experiencing, knowing what? That our God is in control and he knows the beginning from the end and he has a plan for our life. It may not be my plan and what I want, but it is his plan. So that whether I live or die, let God be glorified. And if you and I will live our lives like Paul in such a way that whether we suffered or were set free, whether we were in pain or we were healed, that we would honor God with our lives and our choices and the words that we speak. Oh my goodness, what an impact it would have on this world today. To honor God in everything despite our circumstances, so that we don't have to be ashamed. But we would glorify him in all things. He would be glorified. No matter what we're facing, that he would be glorified. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's whole life was dedicated to Christ. From that moment when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was dedicated to Christ. The Bible says that God showed Paul while he was blind for those three days, everything he was going to have to suffer. Meaning God said, you're gonna be beaten, you're gonna be stoned, you're gonna to have to run, you're gonna be imprisoned, right? And yet Paul did it anyway, why? Because his life was changed by Jesus Christ and his life was all about Jesus. Everything that he was, everything that he would be was tied to Jesus Christ and his relationship with him, right? So Christ, for him to live, was still Christ. He, his life was tied up in Christ. So if he was alive, he was still going to be serving Christ and honoring Christ. To die, though, would have been gain for him, meaning he would no longer have to suffer in this world. He would no longer ever have to be beaten. He would no longer have to be imprisoned. He would no right? He would be in the presence of the God who saved him and had mercy on him, who loved him in spite of his attitude at first and persecution of Christians and destroying their lives at the beginning. He would be in the presence of that merciful, faithful, loving God. So for him to die, it would be gain. Oh, that we would look at our lives like that. To say, if God, if I were to die tomorrow, it would be gain. I would be in your presence. Yes. 
I tell you, the older that I get, the more I can't wait to be in his presence. When I was younger, I had goals to get my driver's license, to graduate high school, to get married, to have children, right? All of these things I had laid out. And I would say, God, I want these things to happen before I go to meet you, right? Like, I want these things. Got to happen first, God. But I have found the older that I've gotten that my goal has only changed to someday I'm ready to be in his presence. I'm, I'm ready. And I can say that honestly, that I, I, I'm ready to, to be glorified. I'm ready to be in his uh, presence, to get out of this body and all the things that it sees. So to die is gain. But as long as I'm on this earth, my life is for Christ. We got to live for Christ and living for Christ means being obedient to him and telling the world about him. We as Christians must, everything that we are and everything that we do must be in him. Everything. Every decision we make needs to be wrapped up in Christ. Right. You know, the old cliche from years ago is all over the bracelets. What would Jesus do? But the truth is we need to be seeking God and making sure that we have his guidance on any topic before we act or speak. And that's living in Christ. Everything that we are is tied up in him. Every decision, everything is about him. Good, bad, ugly. It's all in him. Our faith, our trust is in him. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul says, look, I know that if I keep living, that I'll continue to bear fruit. I'll keep working and they'll be continue to bear fruit. Right. So he says, you know, it would be good if I could keep bearing fruit. Right. Um, and from my labor. But honestly, I'm ready to get to heaven. What I'll choose, I don't know. What I, you know what I mean? It'll be good if I'm here, uh, there'll be fruit, but uh, if I die, that'll be great, right? So he's like, you know, um, I still don't know what's the best. Uh, he, he, Paul did not know he was uh, gonna be martyred at this time, right? He, he thought that he was going to, and wanted to be set free uh, to go see the Philippians, right? So we're gonna see that here now. For I am hard pressed between the two. What's the two? Living or dying. All right. I'm hard pressed between the two, living or dying, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. He wants to be with Christ, to get out of this world, away from the suffering, to be with his Savior. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So Philippians, it would be great on your benefit for me to be stay here a little while longer and be able to come to you. So for me, it would be awesome. I'm ready to go to heaven, but also in torn because I also want to continue to minister to you. Think about that sacrifice. Here he is suffering. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows that there's ultimate freedom from all of the things that he's dealt with uh, throughout his life, the pain and the suffering and the hurt. If, if God would just take him home, but he's also still worried about the pain, the hurt, the needs of his children, his spiritual children this church in Philippi. He was still worried. It's like I talked last week where he talked about how much he loved them uh, and how he loved them from all that was within him. 
right? As he said, the Greek word he used there was for the bowels. His whole body loved them, cared about them. And so even here, when it would be better on him physically, spiritually, mentally to go ahead and go to heaven for God to take him home, he still was torn thinking it sure would be good and in their best interest if I could stay a little while longer, go to them, meet them, encourage them, love on them, and pastor them a little bit. Guys, that's sacrifice. That he was torn between ultimate freedom and release and still serving the people that he loved and cared for. But he, he was torn. He was legitimately torn between what was the best course of action. He says, nevertheless, or sorry, verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Paul believed and wanted to stay and eventually go back to Philippi. That's what he wanted, that's what he desired, but that is not what came to be. So even though that's what he wanted, the one great thing about Paul was is he always wanted God's will to be done first. He always wanted God's will to be done, even if it meant messing up his plans, always. And so he even, he still, as much as he wanted to go to the Philippians, he wanted to be set free and return to them. And, and as much as he wanted it and desired it and believed it was going to happen, he still deferred to the will of God, whatever God's will was. So that means that when he didn't get his way and get released, he wasn't mad about it. When he received the judgment that he was going to be martyred, that his life would be taken from him, he wasn't mad about it. He wasn't mad at God. He wasn't mad at the government. He wasn't mad at the guard who did it. He wasn't mad about any of those things. He went home to the Lord knowing that he had finished his race and he had run it well. His worry was that he would somehow disqualify himself while preaching to everybody else. Well, when that... When that ax came down and removed his head from his body, he finished his race and he was not disqualified. He carried Christ with him to his last breath and he wasn't mad about the outcome because Jesus Christ was Lord and it was his will being done. We get mad if God uh, doesn't do the smallest thing in our lives that we want him to do. And many of us will even blaspheme his name curse him, yell at him, be mad at him, angry at him because he didn't do some little thing. Paul, and we, what we want that little thing is out of selfishness and self-centeredness. What Paul wanted was actually uh, a righteous, uh, selfless act, which was to go and minister to the church in Philippi that he loved. You and I get mad at God when he doesn't do something that we want from, from a selfish desire with um, you know, impure motives. We get mad and yell and fuss and get angry and walk away at from him, right? Because we didn't get our way for the smallest little thing. Yet Paul, his whole plan was changed, uprooted to where he ultimately gave his life, but never once did he sacrifice his integrity or his relationship with God. And he was okay when he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, and so we too must be like Paul. 
So even though he had good motives, he said, I want to return to you that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. He had good motives. He was going out of pure motives and selflessness, but God had another plan. And the most important thing is, is even though God had another plan, Paul's okay with it. Oh, that you and I, when we face turns and twists that we're not prepared for, that uh, we don't want, that don't line up with our plan and what we have in mind, that we would be like Paul and say, God, let thy will be done. To not get angry, to not get bitter at when we don't get our way like spoiled children. But to say, God, let your will be done. That is how we are supposed to live our lives. Walking in his will and his purpose, regardless of what my desire and wants are. Submitting myself to the authority of Christ in my life. So many Christians today are living lives of rebelliousness before God and wondering why their lives are a mess and a shambles. Not submitting to his will as we talked about last week that that real freedom is submitting to Christ, not rebelling against Christ. That's real freedom. And that's how you and I are to live our lives. When we wake up in the morning, what does God have to say about today? God, orchestrate my life. Give me the words to say. Put the people in my life that I need to minister to. Uh, You know, let me follow you every step of the way. And even when things don't go my way, help me to put my faith and my trust in you. That you've got everything under control. And that what you have planned is greater than what I have let us stay. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.